It is Tuesday, August 8th, 2023. This is another edition of Baseball Today. That is my man, Trevor Plouffe. I am Chris Rose, producer Dan, along for the ride as well, as I am now joining you from a different hotel room, this time in my hometown of Cleveland, Ohio, as I get set to call the Browns and the Commanders game later on this week. What's up, my man? I love you, dude. I love that you like do all these different things. You're so good at everything. I'm envious, but also proud to call you a friend and a colleague. I really Thank am, man. But we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. Oh. See, Rosie, we've been hit over the head with all sorts of crazy baseball stuff as of late. Uh, we will start with a tip of the cap, and that goes to the Milwaukee Brewers and their pitching staff, namely Freddie Peralta, who's been spinning a few gems this year, right? Another 13 strikeouts, seven inning one-hit game. In fact, they faced the minimum for the third time in Brewers history, 27 batters as they take care of business. Uh, Brew crew, that's good. Tip of the Run prevention is their thing. That's what they look at yeah. in the offseason going into the year. It's run prevention, and they can do that. Uh, I would like to have started today's show previewing a great series between the Baltimore Orioles, who have the best record in the American League, and the defending World Series champion Houston Astros, who are throwing Framber Valdez for the first time since he made a little history with the 16th no-hitter in Astros history. However, we cannot do it because the Orioles are a much bigger story because of what they've decided to do with their fine young broadcaster, Kevin Brown, who has done an outstanding job over the last few years being a play-by-play artist out there. He has not been on the TV side of things since he set up a game down in Tampa with his cohort, Ben McDonald. Pre-game, they end up throwing some stats out there, and he said these awful words. The Orioles have a chance to do something special today. They've already clinched at least a split in the series, winning two of the first three. It's been a minute. The Orioles split a two-gamer with the Rays in June. They had lost their last 15 series. Here at Tropicana Field, June 25th, 2017, the last time the Orioles won a series here at St. Pete. Already got three and two of the Trop this year after winning three of 18. The previous three years combined, it is a stark difference, Ben, and it is not a bad Rays team. It's not like all of a sudden the no. Rays uh, became slouches in the American League East. They've led this division every day, but now two, and the Orioles once again are back alone in first place. Oh, my God, it's burning my ears. I can't believe what he just said. It's so horrible and disastrous. What do you make of this suspension? I mean, I obviously don't understand it at all. I'm in the game now, see, Rosie. So I, I, I understand. I get how things like this happen. I mean, you have a conference call uh, with all the producers and the other analysts, and you talk about what you're going to do, what graphics they're going to show you, and you prep that way. So as many people have pointed out on social media because everybody has gone after the Orioles about this for how ridiculous it is. These things are drawn up hours before the game, hours before Kevin Brown is talking on TV about them. They have the graphic ready. It's in the it's in the pregame notes. If something like this was enough to get people suspended, that wouldn't there would be no broadcasters around the game. I mean Dick Bremer sits up in our booth and talks about strikeouts all the time with the Twins because it's happening. Like, the Twins are striking out at an alarming rate, and we'd like to see something change about it. So, like, it's okay. You can't – and I'm like, you know, I'm the most positive dude going. Like, I am trying 
all times to bring the game up. I don't like bringing it down. But even I, on the broadcast, will point out some negative things so I can shine a light on something positive that's about to happen, which is exactly what Kevin Brown was doing. He started off by saying, the Orioles have a chance to do something special today. So like sometimes you have to talk about statistics that are negative so you can highlight what's about to happen that's positive, and that's all that happened. I don't understand who made the call. I know a lot of people said the owner did. I don't know if we have clarification on that or anything, but it's it's one of the more shocking things, and he's going to be back uh, in three days. So they're trying to save face with this thing, but I think it might be too late. Okay. I like to be a problem solver. I know some of you sit, sit, might sit there and say, Rose, all you do is complain. I actually like to solve people's problems. I'm not sure if this will get to John Angelos's ivory tower, but I'm hopeful because I want to help you out. I really do. I want to help out the owner of the Baltimore Orioles. I believe the perception of you, for the most part, is the fact that you are a card-carrying member of the lucky ass sperm and egg club because you did very little to get to where you are, but you know what? You have a chance to change the narrative about you. Your franchise is doing the best it can. It is one of the most young, exciting teams that we have out there, but what you have done by suspending an outstanding play-by-play guy is set your franchise back. You've become a laughing stock when you have one of the best records in baseball because of your pettiness. To me, it's very simple. I don't know, I guess, but I don't know for a fact that this was your call. At best, you're complicit, and you haven't reinstated Kevin Brown, even though this should have been done weeks ago. There should have been no punishment whatsoever. So what can you do to make this better? You can call a press conference today. You can have Kevin Brown standing next to you. You can turn to him and you can say, I apologize. I'm sorry because I screwed up. You were saying facts based on my failure and our failures of our organization. So we put you in that position to tell the people the truth. And that is on us. The fact that I haven't had you work for several weeks because of this That shows you how small-minded I can be at times. And I know that even though I'm a grown man, that I'm a billionaire, that I can learn. That's what you should say. Because, sir, if you don't, it's going to look like one of the most petty things in the history of broadcast television. There's no excuses as to why he should be sitting on the sidelines. I hope you heed my advice. If you do, I will gladly send you my bill. I mean, I agree with you. Like, let's let's just reinstate Kev right away. But I'm also thinking on Kev's side now. And I don't know Kevin Brown, but I like calling him Kev. Do you think he's like, hey, like, what I said to you before the show started, yesterday's price is not today's price. Do you think he can use this to his advantage at all? I'm being serious here. As a businessman, you just got, I mean, your your reputation got damaged. You got you got suspended uh. for something. No, initially, initially, you have to explain to people why you're not working. Now, it may have been yeah. for a bad reason, right? Like people 
well, half his back, obviously, and he, he is coming out looking better. But initially, you got suspended. You had to explain to your family and go through all of that. I would look at it as an opportunity. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And you know what? He's really good. And as a bunch of broadcasters out there, whether it was Gary Cohn or Michael Kay or John and everybody. Susan, <laughs> I mean, everybody had a thought about it. But your boy, night. Jason, Jason Benetti, Benetti, too. Oh, yeah. Benetti crushed the, crushed the Orioles during the game. So if you're going to make, if that's the fight you're going to pick, you better be ready. You better be ready. And I don't expect to hear from John Angelos because he did have a press conference earlier this year. Uh, he was doing some sort of thing. And yeah. he dictated the flow of questions to him. He's like, we shouldn't be talking about that. So he sounds like a miserable guy anyway, who's suing his own brother and who has the 29th highest payroll. And it's just like, I, I don't know. I feel so bad for the Orioles players. I feel terribly for the people that have to deal with this shit on a daily basis in his front office and in the PR department and everywhere else. And I feel horribly for the fans because we should be celebrating everything that's been great about Orioles baseball this year. And this is what we're talking about. I want to give a shout out to Britt Garali. I believe she wrote the article in the athletic about this sure situation. Did. If, if not, she, she reposted it on X. Uh, but, I read that, and there's there's a lot of information in there. So I'd check that out. If there you're sure interested is. in the situation, I, I'd go check that out. Yeah, I texted her last night. I said, Britt, this can't, this can't possibly be just the sole reason. She's like, Chris, that's why I wrote it. I wouldn't have written it. I said, touche. You're right. <laughs> My bad. Uh, Astros and Orioles later tonight. Let's continue in with more fun oh, and God. games, shall we? No. It was about this time yesterday that ESPN's Jesse Rogers came out with a column about former White Sox reliever Keenan Middleton, who has been traded to the Yankees. He said there is no accountability with his former team, the White Sox. Players would show up late to meetings and workouts. In some cases, they wouldn't do it. In other cases, there were players sleeping in the bullpen. Well, the White Sox came out and vehemently denied it. In fact, they threw arrows at Middleton's story. Rick Hahn accused him of being a bad egg. And here's Hahn and their manager, Pedro Griffal. We realized we, have a, we had a bit of a cultural problem in this clubhouse. Uh, that we didn't have a group that was all pulling in the same direction, that was necessarily supporting each other or going about their business the way that we had wanted this team to go about it. It was something that we were upfront about for the last several weeks, something that we feel we've been in the process of addressing both at the trade deadline as well as since, and is something that we expect will continue to improve over the coming weeks. The leaders I thought we had in there weren't, weren't, weren't leaders. You know, so you know, we took a step back, we regrouped, and here we are. Your thoughts about the words from those two men? Okay, I, I've never been a part. I, I played for... Four organizations at the big league club. Okay. I mean, that's that's enough to kind of get a gist of how everything flows. I've never been a part of a clubhouse that felt like it was leaderless. Not once. I I when we used to talk about the White Sox under Tony La Russa and even at the beginning of this year, and and we would say, it just doesn't look like there's fire, energy, they're lacking leadership. I always kind of was like, man, like I just don't know if that's the case. They could just be playing bad. Cause I've never experienced that, Chris. I've never experienced that. 
at a a big league organization at the top level, you're telling me that you can't find leaders. And then for Pedro Grafal and Rick Hahn to point fingers, you guys are the leaders. You have to set the tone. Don't you understand that? It's look, it's crazy to me. This is what this is this is what has to go down in a big league clubhouse. Forget the front office. Get out of here. That's number one. Get out of the fucking clubhouse. That's it. If you want to come talk, make your time to come talk with the clubhouse is for the for the players essentially, and then also the coaching staff. Okay, that's number one. And every single GM and front office that I played a, a part of knew that, except for Billy Bean. Um, he was all over the place. This is what Paul Molitor would do. Paul Mulder would t- would take like four or five guys and he'd call them. He said, you guys are my like leadership council. He'd come in. He'd tell us what he expected of us, um, expected us what he told us what he expected us to do in the clubhouse on the field. And then he said, look, if you need something, my door is open. You guys go take care of that. If you need something, come talk to me. Did they not do this? Like, I don't understand. Again, those guys have to be the leaders, and then you appoint some players and say, look, you guys are my contact with the clubhouse and everything that works around it. And if you don't – if Middleton came out and said a bunch of stuff about sleeping, about not showing up on time. I mean, that's rule number one when you get to spring training. And, again, this is for the four organizations that I played with. Rule number one is be on time. That's it. Every, every place has it. And if you're not on time, you're going to hear about it. I was late for a, a meeting that had nothing to do with baseball before. And Terry Ryan called me up to his office and reamed me, reamed me for not showing up on time. Cause he said, you have to be accountable and we're going to hold you guys accountable. And it, I never was late again. So like it has to start from them and then it trickles down that way. And they're pointing fingers saying, he said, we have a coach, cultural problem. Oh, excuse me. We had a cultural problem is that they fixed it with what? With what? They haven't done anything. This well, whole thing is crazy to me. And the fact that we were actually right, the media was right that there was there was a leadership void. I, I just couldn't comprehend it. And now I'm looking at it and I understand why there's a leadership problem because it, from the top, it hasn't happened. Bottom line. This is the second straight show that I'm going to pick on Pedro Grafal. I, I'm curious what sort of leadership instincts he showed during the interview process because he has had a chance to be front and center over the last several days and he has dropped the ball everywhere post game after the anderson ramirez fight horrible even last night after they won they talked to him about it again horrible this time he said i thought we had certain leaders in this clubhouse and we didn't how's that going to go over with his players today not great, <laughs> not great. Especially, especially if he's had any conversation with some of them, like an Elvis Andrews or you know some of these other veterans on the team. I mean, I don't know, man. That's that's a dagger right there. Basically, the way Rick Hahn came out and said it, and Lance Lynn said so much without saying a word on foul territory the other day. Um, basically agreeing with Middleton's stance by just looking at the camera and being like. He didn't say anything wrong. He didn't say those words, but he looked at the camera. His silence spoke volumes. So this is on Lance Lynn. This is on Joe Kelly. This is on Keenan Middleton. This is on Lucas Giolito. This is on Ronaldo Lopez. Like I just want to get this straight. 
right? Because now those are the those were the problem children. Is that what? Because that's what I heard out of Rick Hahn's mouth. That's that what I heard what out he of Pedro Grafal. Exactly. And that's some bullshit. Like, may, by the way, maybe it's true. I don't know. I'm not in that clubhouse, but that sure is hell the way it came out. And I wouldn't trust any of those guys. Now, Jerry Reinsdorf, holy shit. Working for the White Sox front office is better than being a tenured professor. You know, like, he just doesn't change things up at all. You know how many playoff series they've won since winning the World Series in 2005? Zero. This is a flawed organization. I feel bad for you White Sox fans. You got to sit through this shit. It is a joke. You know what they need to do? They need to stop talking. <laughs> I, they need they need something, man. A leadership course. Go on Instagram. There's a bunch of like uh, people you can follow. They'll give you advice, dude. I get force fed that all the time. Elvis Andrews, 14 years in the show. Yasmani Grandel, over 10 years in the show. There's your leaders. Right there. They've been around for a long time. Well, they okay, teams. stop right there. What? <laughs> no way. Elvis Andrews, great dude. Yasmani Grandal. Come on, man. Well, you can't lead a clubhouse? Why? You don't. Uh, leading a clubhouse means a few things. It means doing things the right way, showing up on time, and setting a good example. And that's about it, dude. Holding guys accountable, taking guys aside when they're doing something wrong. That's about it, dude. You're telling me these guys can't do that? I don't know. By the way, explain Grandel, to them their, your um, job. Grandel uh, denied the story that he went over and slapped Tim Anderson following an altercation in mid-July. Just want to get all that stuff in there. Holy smokes. Today's episode of Baseball Today is sponsored by Shady Rays. Take on the sun with gear that's built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered with premium polarized shades at a very affordable price. How affordable, you ask? Well, right now you're going to get 30% off the custom Jimmy and Jake collab shades with the code JM30. Did you hear me? Those custom Jimmy and Jake collab shades. I saw them in person this past week at Floorball. They're freaking awesome. Use the code JM30. Uh, Shady Rays offers a world-class product just as good as any expensive pair ever worn. Durable frames, clear optics, and you know what I love. They're backed by lost and broken replacements, which means on day one of ownership, if you lose them, if you break them, they'll replace them. No questions asked. You get on the phone, you're like, I cannot believe I sat on my... They don't care. They got your address on file. They're going to send it out. You'll be looking great in no time. So once again, exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Head on over to ShadyRays.com. Use that code today. 50% off two-plus pair of polarized sunglasses. And you get 30% off the limited edition Jimmy and Jake collaborative pair of shades. Use that code JM30. And take some pictures. Send us how cool you look in the shades and make sure you tag our boys, John Boy, and Talking Jake. Speaking of talking, we finally get to talk some baseball. Hell yes. Sorry, Angels. Oh, man. They lost again. They blew another ninth inning lead again. I believe their third one during this seven game slide. They haven't won since the trade deadline. Does L.A. look foolish after making all those moves that they did because they have such an uphill battle in the playoffs? 
I don't like when your voice goes low like that. You talk a little slower. <laughs> the volume's down. You sound like a disappointed father, man. And it's, I, I still don't think they look silly for keeping Otani. I think it was the right move. When we had all the information in front of us and saw all the scenarios, I think it was the right move for the organization, um, for the fans. You know, they did a lot. I mean, they, they made moves, man. They brought in Lucas Giolito. You mentioned Ronaldo Lopez. They brought in Mustakis and Escobar and a couple other dudes, too. I think in total, how Ronan many was it? Like Cronin Gritchick, so six dudes they brought in. And I mean, there wasn't a ton available at this deadline. I think they did really, really well. I mean, the only team I would say that got better than them was the Astros because they got Justin Verlander, but and the Rangers, never mind. So, I mean, teams did well. The Angels did well in this trade deadline. Um, so even though they've lost all these games, they're now eight games back in the wild card, they're not going to make the playoffs. They're going to most likely lose Otani. I still feel like the moves were the right moves, and they didn't work out. Clearly, it's not working over there. It's going to be another disappointing August and September. Uh, I had a thought. I had a thought on talking baseball, and I'm curious to hear your your vantage point. Otani's been kind of like cramping a little bit in the hands. He's you know his back mm-hmm. has been iffy. Like, does he? start to take some rest days and slow down. down. A lot of people, a lot of people pointed out to me, they said, Hey, Japanese culture doesn't work that way. And maybe so, but when you're staring down at a 500 million, $600 million contract in your near future, and your team is this far out of it, it could be, it could just not be fun. Yeah. I mean, if they're, if they totally have no mathematical shot, yeah, there should be days where he rests. I mean, I can't believe he's been going at the pace he's been going. So, I mean, will he shut it down for the rest of the season? Absolutely not. Might he take an occasional extra day here and there? Yeah, and I wouldn't blame him just because of the ridiculous pace he's been on. Um, So the big question is, do they regret it? And I think the answer is no. And I don't think they should regret it. Now, I'm the guy all along who said that I thought it was the wrong move to not trade him because of what I thought you could get in return. And I still believe that. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe teams weren't offering their top prospects and some, you know, red, you know, ready talent. It's possible that they weren't. And I I did love Perry Manassian's quote at the deadline, which was, I'm putting my head on the pillow and I feel good about what we're doing. And I'm okay with all that. Like I said, I'm not so sure that that's the decision I would have made if the owner would have enabled me to make the move I wanted to make. I don't know if this was an Artie Moreno call. I don't know if it was a Perry Manassian call. I don't know if it was a collaborative deal or whatever. At the end of the day, is it a mistake from what happened? We're not going to know until the offseason. That is the only thing that was in play here. Let's be honest. If the Angels punch their ticket as the sixth seed, Does Shohei all of a sudden go, hell yes, I'm staying now? No, we don't know that that's the fact. So I'm not laughing at the Angels. I would never, ever do that. I don't think it's fair to them. I don't think it's fair to their organization. And it's definitely not fair to the players and the fans. It's not. I'm not going to sit here and say, I told you so, because that's not what this is about at the end of the day. 
but it's, shit, it's a, it's a it tough sucks, situation. Dude. It does. It oh. does suck. And the way it's gone about it, I feel so bad for Carlos Estevez. I know that at the end of the day, that's his job. And if when you don't do your job as the closer, it's that that glare is going to get bright. But man, he saved his first twenty three opportunities this year, and now he can't get anybody out in crunch time. Like I watched, I watched it like this last night. Like I thought I was watching a horror movie. That's tough. This is like the Are, experiment of all experiments that shows that baseball can't be won by a couple guys. Right. Um, just one last stat as we move on. When they made all these moves at the trade deadline, they had close to a 20% chance, according to fan graphs, of making the playoffs. It's down to 1.4%. Gulp. All right, we're going to move very quickly on this one. Good for Boston last night. Pablo Reyes, a walk-off grand slam. You don't get to see those that often. We've seen a couple in the last week. Bobby Witt and now Reyes. Um, they're expected to activate Trevor's story, I think, today. Chris Sale's going to get a start at the end of the week Friday. What is your confidence level in the Sox moving forward? It's it's actually pretty high, Chris, when you – Factor in what they've been able to do offensively. Right now, they're five games back of the wild card. But, you know, if you look at the roster resource there, we've talked about this before. Like, their offense is is good enough. Their offense has produced. Uh, they can get hot. They have enough, a long enough lineup to sustain, you know, good playoff pitching. And guys that have kind of been there, they have some veterans that they can count on. Um, I like the roster construction as far as the offensive side. We always questioned the starting pitching. The bullpen has been really good. They they have enough options there, again, where you can pare it down in the playoff uh, uh, series and really have elite-type guys going for you. Now, they have to get there, and usually that means your starting pitching uh, has to be good. And that's what we've questioned all year long. They are 20th in ERA. They're 15th in whip, so kind of middle of the pack. But if you look at the guys that they have going in the rotation right now, like Bayo's been really good. Um, they have uh, Cutter Crawford has been really good. I've just lost all my stuff here. Paxton. Uh, James Paxton has been really good. And now you're talking about Chris Sale, who's had some really good starts for them. Like he's kind of we're, – we're, you want to see what you're going to get out of him. And then uh, how can Whitlock – they have shown flashes of brilliance at the big league level. So if you get these guys back, now you've got six starters you can rely on and you can eat up some of those innings, save the bullpen. If they come back and they can gel all together, if the if the pitching matches up with the offense and they sneak into a wild card spot, like this is a very, very dangerous team uh, as the playoffs approach. I, 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 I do believe in them. Now they have to make up some ground, so they're going to have to go on a little bit of a run. They're getting Trevor Story back. Obviously, it's going to hopefully help offensively. So – I, I believe in them. I really do. Like they, if they go out and just get the job done and kind of perform to their average level of expectations, I think they're going to get the job done. And, the, and then in the playoffs, nobody's really going to want to see them. Um, I'm not as enthusiastic as you are. They mash. They really do. Now, I know that Heim was kind of quiet at the deadline in part because he says, when we get these three guys back, which we are getting them all very soon, you're talking about Whitlock, Hawk, and Sale. Those are like making trades. Okay. They have all flashed this year. At times, they've been brilliant. 
Sale is the only one with an ERA plus over league average, and he's barely over league average. So they're going to have to improve. They're going to have to. Those guys are going to have to be more consistent. Just because you have new fresh arms doesn't mean that's necessarily a better thing. You have to produce. How many teams in the in the big leagues right now have four starters that have an ERA plus over 100? I'd like to know. I don't think it's a lot, Chris. And the other guys that we talked about, Bayo, Crawford, and Paxton, all have ERA pluses over 128. That's really good. And they're still five games back. And you know what they're else five, they don't they're do? They're five games back, yes. Outside of okay pitching and a really good offense, they're miserable in the other areas of the game. They are a terrible defensive team. Bad and base they are team. A horrible base <laughs> They're running. really bad. They so just got to wear those saying, yellow jerseys all like, the time. <laughs> their record in those yellow jerseys are unbelievable. It's not unbelievable. Dude. I mean, they're the worst. They're arguably the worst-looking City Connect jerseys, and that's saying something because there's some bad ones out there. All right, give give me so, a team that you think has good starting pitching. Just name one quick, and then you can continue. Um, off the top of my head, uh. I think the Texas Rangers have been pretty good. Okay. Keep going. I'm looking some stuff up. Yeah. Oh, I thought you just wanted one. I think your Minnesota Twins have been pretty good. Right? All right. So the Texas Rangers, for how good they've been. Yeah. uh, Well, Eovaldi doesn't count. Do you want to count him, Eovaldi? Yes, he does. No, no, hold on. Okay, great. You've got to give me Eovaldi because he's pitched 90% of the season. He's 160, Dane Dunning, 134, John Gray, 116, Andrew Heaney, 104. Now, I know they added Montgomery and Scherzer, but those are the four guys they ran out there for the most part of the season. But that's still pretty good. That's that's the same as the Boston Red Sox. Okay, but the Rangers are leading the division, and the Red Sox have to play catch-up. That's my point, is that you're adding guys to a team that's a lap behind in the race, and those guys can't get any better than their numbers have been. The guys I said that they gotta they gotta they have to get everything working together and they have to go on a run, no doubt about it. Yeah. But they're gonna be a good team. Well, they're gonna be fun to watch. Um, I I think they've really been they're they play some crazy games. So I will give that with Boston. I think they're they've been a fun watch. Um listen, there's a subscription for everything out there right everything it's so it's never been easier to get something you want right it's the click of a button you hit it and it's yours whether it's a streaming site or something else and it's hard to keep track of you're like do i have that or not well this is why we are such huge fans of rocket money it is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions monitors your spending helps you lower your bills and it's all done in one place with Rocket Money, you can easily cancel the ones you don't want with just the press of a button. So that means there's no more hold times. Like, I don't have time to go cancel this because i got to wait 37 minutes. No, that's not happening. You're not going to wait on an email. You just do it. Rocket Money does all the heavy lifting. It also lets you monitor all your expenses in one place. It recommends custom budgets based on your past spending, particularly for young people do this. There are people my age that don't know how to monitor their spending. So if you can get somebody to do this like Rocket Money, it is perfect. There's more than 3 million users and they're counting and they save on an average of 720 bucks a year. You tell me, would you rather have $720 or not? I'll let you think about that. Okay, boom, it's over. You'd rather have the 720. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. 
cancel your unwanted subscriptions, manage your money the easy way. You go to rocketmoney.com slash today. Once again, that is rocketmoney.com slash today. That's an awesome thing. Before we get out of here, we're going to do this quickly. Happy 47th anniversary to the Chicago White Sox. On this date against the Kansas City Royals, they became the first major league team to don shorts in the first of a doubleheader, a game in which they won. They would do it two more times that season. Oh, the genius that was Bill Vec back in the day, Ploofy. Uh, those terrify me because I just think about sliding in them and what's going to happen to my knee as it just rubs against the dirt. Oh, uh, I couldn't imagine wearing Mike Beck, those. his son, said, well, wait a second. Sliding, it's not that big a deal. You're supposed to slide on your hip anyway. And I'd say, go out there and slide in the shorts. Throw me first, bro. <laughs> Sheesh. It is not an about amazing, amazing look. Oh, my God. I cannot believe that they wore shorts during the game. <laughs> a lot of softball people who don't like wearing shorts when they play because they're afraid they'll get all chopped up. I mean, give me, uh, I, I guess, like, I just have to wear uh, my, I had a knee pad that I wore under my pants anyway, so maybe I just put that on, then maybe I'm about it in the hot summertime, but I, that's the first thing I thought of was, man, you're just going to have bloody knees the entire season. Uh, this was a fun one. Some odd shit we had to talk about. I like when we talk about baseball, but sometimes when there's stuff in the universe, you got to go with it. For our one-of-a-kind producer, Dan Rohn, and the uber-talented Trevor Plouffe. I am Chris Rose. We will see you Wednesday on Baseball Today.